I'm Serginho Dest, and you're listening to BR Football Ring. Merry Christmas, Rank Squad. Here is your Christmas Day BR Football Ranks fix. And we know this is what you asked for when you asked what Santa was going to bring this year. Like, just a, a really good episode of BR Football Ranks for Christmas Day, please. That's exactly what you're going to get. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today. And joining me as ever, Mr. Sam Tai. I think you've oversold it. I don't think this is going to be a great Christmas episode. We're <laughs> yes, just going to talk about we're gonna, Christmas. We're going to have a great time. And Mr. Dean Jones. <laughs> greetings. Season's, Season's greetings. greetings. Come on. Get festive, man. It's a festive football fix. <laughs> no, I'm really excited about Christmas. Um, I was going to start this by let, let's just talk about Christmas for a while and then we'll get on to yeah, some okay, of our special a couple of features minutes. later. Um, we have some, some interviews for you, some special presents. It's, it's all very, very exciting. We should have got each other a present, really. Yeah. No, I presume you haven't got us presents. I haven't got you any presents apart from... Uh, well, I have a present for the listeners. There's going to be numerous episodes this week. There is your present. You are getting a genuine festive football special. Uh, a bumper week yeah. of Ranks content that is my gift to yeah. you rank squad we're doing overtime gift. for you yeah this is this is our this is our gift to you so <laughs> to say thank you for a wonderful year sam you haven't smiled since we started this episode <laughs> she hasn't. it's christmas can you cheer up sorry boys yeah okay i'm really happy good good what's your favorite thing about christmas um food food yeah, like a, food yeah food's good like christmas trees mood boosting did Every- you know this yeah, I've what, I've heard this. What psychologically? Proven? Yeah, like they genuinely like make you feel better about your life. I mean, I I can definitely feel that. Like when I am feeling low, or have been feeling low over the course of December, um, I have I have put the lights on on my tree. You know, I don't, they're not on all the time. I'm not a madman. I have an electricity bill to pay. Yeah. But you know, pop them on, and all of a sudden things just do seem a little bit rosier. No, see, I. I don't really like Christmas trees. Well, Why? There's no, there's no helping you then. Uh, because all I think about from the moment that tree goes up is because we haven't got a real Christmas tree. We have a fake one. Well, so do we. Well, that's why. But you're all not I think the mood about boost. is it's a big one. No, the it, it's not a mood boost. No, no it's, it's the all, smell. It's the it, that's it what really the actual thing is. It's not that you look at it. The pine, the scent of pine, it is like smell a factual pie. It's fake. No, this is what I'm saying. You are not getting the mood boost ah. because you haven't got a real Christmas tree. It's actually the smell of the pine. Well, that's fair. Big to deal with the god. Oh. Because all I can think about is I've got to get this thing down and get it back in that box. <laughs> that's all I can think about from the day that tree goes up and like day after Thanksgiving they're so hard to get back in the box getting back in every year that box is getting stretched and stretched to the limits this year to, to be honest I'll probably just throw it out mine, yeah, mine, is, real mine, is, mine is held together with masking tape the Christmas tree box it, is, it, gets, it gets weaker and weaker as the years well it kind of reminds me of you know you can buy the pop up tents for when you go to festivals yeah so <laughs> I find after two festivals I gave up on like the tents that you have to manually put up and was like gonna just get my treat myself to a pop up one Got the pop-up one. They're not cheap. Um, day four or whatever of the festival, time to go home. I, c- I just couldn't be bothered to get it down, so I just left it in the field. Yeah, well, that's what most people do, to be fair. Yeah, it's but terrible. That, that, the cost environment. Like, that cost me like 50 quid. Yeah, I'm not worried about your wallet. I'm worried next, about the environment. Yeah, the next day I really regretted both of those uh, those factors, and I was like, I'm sorry, world. Um, and probably sorry, mum. She probably actually paid for the tent. Oh, yeah, yeah, so We've got a pop-up tent, but my cats have commandeered it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's their, it's their, well it's they'll their, probably get treated well over Christmas though, right? It's their wrestling tent. Yeah, uh, as some of you will have seen on social media, my cats do wrestle with each other. They they have like, legitimate wrestling moves. They fight all the time, obviously play fighting, and they've basically just taken that tent as their tent. Yeah, and you're right. They will they will get they'll probably get more presents for Christmas. What's your first I, Christmas with with the tw- with the twins? The twins? Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess so. Um, it is. They'll, they're going to be sport rotten. They're going to get way more presents than I am. What are you buying a cat? Um, probably f- catnip food. Yeah, toys, catnip, um, all that stuff. Well. Actually, I've told you a lie because I've already. Um, I mean, basically, myself and my fiance, we just we decided to buy each other. Not we haven't literally bought two of them. That'd be ludicrous. But we've come together and we've bought a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. Oh, so yeah, it is yeah, actually yeah. going to be a really good Christmas yeah, um, outside of the food in the Christmas tree. Yeah. Presents doesn't usually factor in because I'm an adult now and I don't really get many. Is it? Uh, I basically Christmas, bought, I bought myself one. Is it first Christmas in the new place? Um, no, well, technically we had moved in last year, but we spent but it, wasn't it, we ready, spent it yeah. elsewhere. Well, because you locked yourself out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably. Pretty, oh, I mean, oh, one of those key stories was indeed on the way on yeah. the way to to a different place for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. so that is exactly what happened. Oh, I it was physically couldn't get back into my house. Yeah. Dean, you have a, a small child. Um, I do, yep. which is good. Um, he <laughs> must love Christmas, <laughs> which is good. He is good. Yeah, he must love Christmas. Christmas. Well, he hasn't never known what it is. Yeah, so this, so he's, this is he's two still, now. Right? So this is the first time he's known what it is. So does, does he know? the secret or no he's met he's met santa um he wasn't interested in him at all until he found out that you get this big at the one we went to you got a gold coin at the end and you could go and pick a toy from the the toy workshop so once he found that out he was all over it loved it um but yeah i mean to be honest the best thing about christmas is that in my family you spend a lot of time down the pub and there's a lot of football on yeah, I was going to bring this up. One of my favourite things is the Boxing Day games. Um, I have to work on Boxing Day, which is a little Do bit... Do you? It's a little bit disheartening. Is that why you've taken off a few days before, is it? Yeah, I've taken a couple of days off, you yeah. know, to get into the Christmas trip before, Fair because enough. I know that on Boxing Day well, I will have to work up and, and, I've done and that run many, the accounts. Many times, yeah. Run the Twitter accounts for BR Football. Casual so. reminder that Jack does uh, many more things for BR than just uh, yeah. host an award-nominated podcast. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's hard being a jack-of-all-trades <laughs> in so many ways. But, you know, we, uh, we live and learn. We do these things for you it's all about content content is king um, <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk quickly before we move on to these interviews about christmas music christmas songs you know this is a festive special i love christmas songs but only from december one onwards like if you're playing christmas songs before december one furious okay and when does that period stop uh you can play it through until the 6th of january because that's king's day okay. um, and that point i'd I think probably most people are quite tired of it at that point. So I, I wouldn't mind. I would say the end of December, but if you're, if you're in that week up to King's Day, I can, I can live with it. So. I think so. I mean, our exposure to Christmas music, I feel, has dipped because we spend, I'm well, not speak for everyone, but quite a lot of people spend less time Christmas shopping, physically Christmas shopping in, in, in shops because you can order so much online with, one, with next day delivery. You do quite a lot of your, of your shopping online. Mm. And you don't actually, you don't just do the circuit of the shops, which is obviously they just play it for one solid month, maybe more even. Sometimes they play it in November. I did this and on that's, Monday, and that's where the you circuit, get, the old so, circuit. So you just hear all of them the whole yeah. time. Yeah, but yeah. You're, you're, you're less exposed to it nowadays. You listen to Christmas music on your own terms, more or less. You do, that's true, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. What, what's your favourite Christmas song, Dean? Um, it's the 12 Days of Cantona. <laughs> So you always I know that United do this every year, and it winds <laughs> me up and no end. The first time I hear it, I'm like, haha, funny. By the fifth time in the same game, I think it's great. I'm done. I think Finish. it's great. Man United fans just sing the same song 
for about two weeks. Well, Twelve Cantonars, eleven Cantonars. Yeah. Wow, that's that, must, it, that must take fifteen minutes. And it's it's like. <laughs> As you you two know, like when I was younger, I used to go to Man United a lot with my dad, um, and Cantona was actually playing back then as well. So this has been a long running thing, and as a kid, I, I just remember it a lot, and it was funny. And um, now, whenever I hear it on TV, I just laugh every single time because of how long you can hear it going on for in the game. So. When you're watching a Man United game over the Christmas period, just listen out for the United fans singing the 12 days of Cantona. <laughs> it's just ludicrous that this is a thing. Uh, anyway, yeah. I know, I know Sheffield Wednesday sing Hark the Herald uh, as one of their songs mm-hmm. that they've adapted. Um, that, you know, these are, these are interesting things. There is not too many Christmas songs that have been adapted, but those two, those two actually run. In yeah. terms of Christmas... You know, pop songs. I'm going to move us on. Oh, okay. So um, you meant you what, meant proper songs? No, no. I, I'm I'm really glad that you went for for a football related trivia because at, this, at some point this podcast is going to start. We will revert to football yeah. and we will talk about other things. But for a Christmas day, especially, it felt wrong for us to just dip into do a football landscape. Yeah, no. Every now and then we have to talk about something else. It's that nonsense has been moved to the front. It basically yeah. Has, yeah. And then we will have some serious <laughs> football chat later. Stuff, done. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's your favourite song that isn't you know the Twelve Fairy Days of Tale of New York? Yeah, it's um, it's a classic. It it's is. Good. It is it's good. It's yeah. good. It just when you hear that, especially if you're a little bit tipsy or you're just very happy, yeah. <laughs> it just brings out this joy in you and you kind of just I just always want to put my arms around people wherever I am and just kind of do start a conga or something I've got a great fact about Fairytale of New York for yep. you um, there is no such thing as the NYPD choir as in the police department of New York do not have a choir um, the, doesn't surprise me the NYPD choir was slang for the drunk people they used to bang up in the in the van that makes or a lot of the sense. drunk tank and they'd sing and often they would be the the irish and so that's why they would be singing galway bay oh. and also i think this gives the song a, a real non-authoritarian kind of sight which i always got a bit worried about you know you're singing about the police it mm-hmm. all feels a bit you know sure. basic yeah but now i know it's about drunk irish people in the back absolutely hammered yeah that makes I, way more I, sense i'm having much more fun with it yeah. uh, and that's a good fact for this year that's interesting. There's an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where the police department and the fire department and the MTA all have a Christmas carol off. And I'm presuming that all of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is based in fact. So I don't think you're right. OK. All right. Yeah, no, it's plausible. <laughs> it's plausible that Brooklyn Nine-Nine have me here. Um, Such a serious show. It is. It is. You know, one of those. I've always wanted to learn about what the New York Police Department was like. And that was my first port of call, actually. Yeah, um, what's your favourite Christmas song, Sam? Well, I do like that one a lot. Um, I think it probably is the best. But do they know it's Christmas time? by Band-Aid is yeah. also a Stone Cold Banger yeah I really like the remix do you remember when they did it again for yeah, the 20 with, years with and Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal. Rascal started rapping on it and everyone had a much better time yeah that was excellent absolutely excellent um, at my, in my secondary school we used to we used to have like a, a Christmas assembly like the last thing that happened before we broke up for term and the or- the, the school orchestra used to play that and they used to hand out instruments to everybody and everybody used to join in and it was actually it sounds rubbish but it was quite good fair enough i uh, trust in the rest of your classmates musical ability as opposed to yours but we, you know we'll, we'll go from just that. give me a triangle and off you go it's fine and off you go yeah. i'm grade one and piano triangles in midfield triangles on the music i've got a balls. question for you jack yes bit of an actor aren't you aye a little like, bit. bit of a singer yeah I do, what do christmas productions have you been in in the past 
Oh, I, I was Joseph. Uh, and in my school nativity, and it has actually now been factually proved that people who were Mary or Joseph go on to have better careers. <laughs> what? Well, they've interviewed every Mary and Joseph. Well, I think since. they did a sample size, oh, and they, they? Um, they were like, "Wow, this is this has been a good one." So hopefully, you've got good things to come after this. Yeah, actually, one of my school one of my school productions <laughs> when I was really young, I think year three or four, I must have been seven or eight years old. So last week, um, and <laughs> <laughs> they. The bloke rewrote his own Christmas... Our music teacher wrote his own Christmas thing, and it was all, like, jazz, and um, it was really fun. And Fair then way. we looked at it afterwards, and we were like, looking back at that, that's a bit weird. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. like, ignored all the Christmas carols and wrote his own music. Yeah. Um, Didn't like any of them. Fair enough. No, it, was, it was really good at the time, and everyone really enjoyed themselves. But looking back, I'm like, well, that was weird. <laughs> that was a, a really strange one. Um, a yeah. song that has been mentioned, which I want to bring up, because it's my favourite, um, is... A Spaceman Came Travelling. Hang on a minute. Fairytale in New York is not your favourite? No, as in Fairytale in New York is the best Christmas song. Yeah, right. But my favourite is A Spaceman Came Travelling by Christopher because what on earth possessed him to write that song? Every time I listen to it, I'm like, well, this is really odd, isn't it? But it is loads of fun. And the idea that the Nativity Star was actually a spaceship gets me every time. It is a a real kind of mind blower. And especially when you're listening to that for the first time and it's, you know, Christmas season, you've maybe had a drink or two and you really start to have a think about about what, what he's saying. And you're like... Wow, this yeah. is <laughs> this is maybe before its time, actually. Yeah, I'm going to make a point trippy. of going and listen to that on the way home, actually, on Spotify. There mm. we are. Well, let's move this on to some actual football chat. Yeah. Uh, and we have, we've we covered the festivities now. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of interviews for you. And the first one of these is a chat we had in the summer with David Hanko, who we can firmly say is a friend and listener of this podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know David, he is a Slovakian centre-back slash left-back who plays for Fiorentina, and he's currently on loan at Sparta Prague in the Czech First Division. He plays for Slovakia too. And we were doing some work with Fiorentina in New York when we were on our our great American tour of the summer, and David came up to us, and it was quite quite a moment, wasn't it, Sam? It was. We basically just watched them train for an hour. Uh, This was the day. It was... was it was a blazing hot day. It was it, really it, hot. It must, Way it, too hot. Yeah, it must have been 30, 30 odd degrees uh, centigrade. So, Dean Fahrenheit. Double it and add a 30. Double it and add 30. 90. Right. 90. We're about, about, 90. Yeah, we're talking 90 degrees. Really, really hot. This is what preseason training is like, though. These players are used to it. And we watched them run the cone drills and and then they, they played a small-sided game. We watched Federico Chiesa absolutely lose it after missing a one-on-one. That's when the day we learned he's a very intense character. After all this had finished, we were filming, um, maybe some of you have seen it on our social channels, it's the Rondo Challenge, where we we had someone come in and try and dispossess a four-man Rondo of Fiorentina players, and he was trying to earn money um, for charity. And it was was an excellent little uh, little series, and David Hanko was part of it. And afterwards, because Jack was wearing the Rank Squad t-shirt, he walks up and goes, oh... I know you guys. I listened to your podcast. Yeah, I was listening to your interview with Divock Origi this morning. Like, like, sorry? What? (laughs) What? what you seriously it's like yeah it's like he, he absolutely he loves he loves listening to us because obviously likes good content fair enough yeah, but also he said, it, he said it helps his english um and well we got to speak to him basically later on we went to the team hotel we sat down with him and as you'll see his english is very good Fantastic. and uh, we asked him a few questions about his influences in football and his heroes and here's what he had to say david thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you we know you're a, a listener of br football ranks and that makes us very happy so it's an, it's an honor to have you on the show one of the yeah. genuine rank squad thanks thanks a lot it's a really pleasure for me to yesterday i was listening to the podcast with uh, diwa garigi and now 
I'm, I'm sitting here, so it's great for me. Let's talk uh, footballing heroes and inspirations. So, look, as a listener, you know how this goes. Uh, go from three to one and uh, tell us who inspired you in your career. So, so number three, it will be Milan Skriniar. Skriniar. Yeah, he's my teammate. I was, uh, I was living with him in academy in our, our club, Emeška Žilina, in Slovakia. Yeah. So when I came here, I, I had uh, 15 years old, and uh, I, he was living with us in the academy. So he was playing in the in first team, and then uh, after one year, I, I came to train with first team, this club. It's an amazing club for in Slovakia, the, the conditions and everything, it's, uh, the facilities, it's, it's great to, to, to be here. And uh, he was like a hero from, from there, because he, it was like Sunday, uh, he has after game and he, he write me, oh, can we go to kick in the pitch because we were living next to the pitch. So I was kicking with him around and like this. So he was, and then what he makes now in Italy, like he's one of the best defender for me also in the world. I am his teammates in the in the Slovakia national team. So he's a really great guy. He is one of the best centre-backs in Serie A, Very one of the so. best in the world. Um, I wrote an article for BR at the start of uh, last season trying to predict who would be the first 100 million euro centre-back or defender. Yeah. And I actually arrived at Skriniar as one of my two possibilities. Yeah. Do you think he has that yeah. in the tank? I, I think, yeah, yeah because uh, with the ball, he's incredible. How he's calm, how he's constructive in the build-up, he's incredible. And also, like, uh, his, his tackles are amazing. And he's, uh, I think in, in these tackles, he's so, so constructive. So he don't uh, make a lot of fouls. And when he makes tackles, a lot of times uh, he, the ball, he recovers the ball and then with his uh, build up, it's, it's incredible. So, And you get to play alongside this guy yeah. for your national team. That must make things a bit easier. Yeah, this, this is much easier. <laughs> much, much easier. So, yeah, we, I feel much confident, confident uh, when I am uh, next to to player like this. Yeah. Especially having grown up, like you say, grown up yeah. with him. That, that makes it, is it, is there that kind of connection? Because, you know, you spend that time together. At, yeah, yeah. At I, was, I was uh, really, really, like, it was my hero. Also, yes, I will hero. How I say to next two will be Steven Gerrard and first will be David Beckham. Yeah, this is my heroes. But uh, he was like the hero who lives next to me. So it's incredible, and I am wishing all the best for him. And he, he's doing great. Your friendly local neighborhood superhero. Yeah, <laughs> I live in that dream. Okay, let's move it on to number two. Who have you got? So it's uh, it's Steven Gerrard, hundred percent. Gerrard. This is random. From a defender as From well. A defender to yeah, yeah, because you know it's uh, like yeah. Now I'm defender now. Yeah, so it's. Uh, uh, but when I was uh, younger, I was uh, every time, and I'm also like uh, I follow Liverpool football club. So, so Steven Gerrard was always like hero on and off the pitch. Like how he's the leader, how he's uh, off the pitch, uh, work with the team, with with the fans. His emotions when he scored goal, he doesn't uh, do the. The guest like I'm the best or, or like this. No, he's always with joy and smiling and and his passion. This is incredible for me. He's living his own or he lived his own boyhood dream, right? Yeah. Didn't he? With Liverpool playing for the club that he supported, I guess scoring for the club you support must be one of the best feelings in the world. And he showed it. Yeah, incredible, incredible hero for me as well. Like the the Istanbul final, I was like kid, and this was like the changing moment that. 
I'm I'm supporter of Liverpool. I was going to say, uh, what, yeah, some of your favourite Steven Gerrard memories. You've got Istanbul. Anything else stick out for you? Any particular yeah, goals or also moments? like uh, the FA Cup final against West Ham United? Uh, we talked incredible. about this yeah, on the pod a yeah, couple yeah. of weeks ago. And uh, when I when I listened, uh, he one time said uh, that he was so so tired, so he only shoot this this ball, <laughs> and this makes you know he won the FA Cup. Only because he was so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was like, I can't move with this anymore. Yes. So I will shoot uh, 35 metres. Uh, yeah. So did you, did you used to want to be an attacking midfielder or were you an um, attacking player before you sort yeah. of moved backwards? Yeah. Is that playing into why you idolise him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when, I, when I came to Zilina, to, to, to the club in Slovakia, I started uh, playing like attacking midfielder, then defensive midfielder, then, uh, yeah. then centre-back. Now I'm on, on the left, so, so, so it's good for me. So. But when I was a kid, I was, uh, everybody wants to be like attacking midfielder or, yeah. or the forward striker. Everyone wants to be a 10. Yeah. So you're running around the garden shooting and scoring, Gerard! Yeah, like that. That's oh, you, is it? Really. <laughs> it's mad to think. It's, it's crazy to hear that, that like, with like professional footballers in the game and they were just the same as us they were running around the garden just shooting, much, scoring they just scored more often in the garden yeah. I, I just lost the ball all the time over the fence <laughs> like, these ones were going top bin every time <laughs> in terms of you know I'm interested in that kind of moving back through, through your career and changing positions do those kind of attacking instincts that you had you know, when you were younger and in your younger playing days, do they feed into being a left back now? Because obviously, you see in the modern fullback, so much of that game is is attacking it and is getting forward and up and down the line. So, are there parts of that game that you've you know taken and kind of transposed, I guess, from from when you played in attack and then moved them into now how part of a fullback is? Yeah. Also, yeah, this has helped me a lot that uh, I was playing like also some games I play in the first league in Slovakia. I play like a uh, um, central midfielder. So also. So Milan Skriniar, nobody knows that. He was never a centre-back. He was every time attacking midfielder. He was also striker in under-19. In under-19, under some, some games he played uh, in Zilina like, uh, uh, like uh, centre-forward in some tournaments like this. Some people can just yeah, do yeah. everything, right? But then he goes to centre midfield, then he played uh, six, number six. And then uh, our coach has said, uh, look, we can try to, to be. And look, now he's one of the best. And I think uh, yeah, also this is uh, to help me, also me help that now when I'm on left back, I, I have every time like the, I think, uh, the good responsibility to come back when I was a winger so, or attacking midfielder that I want to help my teammates in the defense. So it was uh, that uh, the coach said, uh, yeah, you have very good defense. We put you in the left bag or center bag and you can uh, help also in the in the offense and I like to do it also I I scored the goal last uh, last euro euro qualifier match against uh, Azerbaijan that I push forward every time I, I like also Benjamin Mendy yeah, I saw yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a great example of this that he was playing a winger attacking midfielder and now look he's he's such a great left back is that is this the, the way you grow and how your body feels out, does that play a part in that? Because as a kid, as you grow, your body changes, you grow taller, and that kind of dictates a little bit where you end up going, because... You too <laughs> I mean, taller, right? I mean, ben- Benjamin Mendy is built like a, like a train, and, and I presume that at some point he wasn't. But as he got bigger and bigger, got stronger and stronger, they were like, well, let's try this guy running up and down the yeah. wing. But maybe beforehand, he was, it was different. Yeah. 
Also, I'm I'm looking for player like this because you know I I like Marcelo. Mm. He's a great player, but uh, like uh, watching him, it doesn't make sense for me because he's like 20 20 centimeters lower than me. Yeah. So I lo- I started looking like Alexander Kolaro or Benjamin Mendy. Yeah. These are examples for me that they are great players. They are offensively, and I like the how he how he Benjamin how he pushed the line. It's it's incredible. Also like. Uh, Guardiola said a lot of time that uh, he has this ability and, and this is great. So yeah. I wish him great recovery. Now I'm watching in Instagram. He is training in Barcelona so so hard. So it'll be back soon. Yeah, very back soon. Who's in at number one then? Let's who's your so who's your top hero? It's uh, it's David Beckham. David Beckham. Okay, go on. You're, speak, you're speaking our language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How come? Yeah, it was like uh, I was I was also every time supporter of Liverpool. But I, I, I love him. I, it's incredible. Also for, for his technique, it's, it's yeah. incredible how he how he kicked the ball. It's incredible. I read uh, in like my first book what I uh, what I read was about the, about him. His so then I, I I I read there how he trained with the in the park with the with the coach. There incredible 92 class. So it's it's incredible. These these players such a legends now. So he was every time like hero for me. I watch every video, every video on YouTube. <laughs> when you put David Beckham, I watch, I, I see every, every video, video over and over That's and yeah. over again. But I mean, I guess like something that really stands out about Beckham is that he went and had an incredible career in like yeah. five different countries. Like you know, you're you're starting out in his career already. Had obviously one big move. Um, but you know that kind of idea of playing across the world and, and Bex did it, you know, at the top level everywhere. But, but you know, is that something that appeals to you, being able to play, you know, in in a variety of different places and, and experience different cultures? Yeah, yeah, really, really. And uh, also, I'm happy that we are here in the US now. So yeah. it's, it's incredible. A lot of experience for like 21 years old guy. Mm. So yeah. Now I, I I don't know what happened in the next year. Also I I like this what he what did Steven Gerrard that he was every time in one place so it's incredible cool. except of the the LA Galaxy experience yeah. in the end but uh, I don't know I like to experience uh, new places new languages also for this when I came to Italy I took uh, lessons three times a week that I want uh, to learn uh, uh, Italian so it's it's great to be be like this and. LA Galaxy be lapping up this, but you're two heroes of the top level both yeah. Galaxy players. Yeah. It's, it's a good job that you learned Italian because we could hear the coach shouting at you earlier <laughs> during the drills. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you don't speak Italian, you don't know where to run. Yeah. I think it's, kind of, it's kind of important. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of that guy either. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have uh, like new guys here now, so. Some some guys doesn't know speak Italian, so it's, it's you difficult. Have to translate. Yeah, we we have to translate every who, time. Who are the new guys? Uh, it's uh, one Polish guy, Simon Zurkowski. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also the Alexa Tercic, new new left back. He comes from the Serbia. Okay, nice. okay. Well, I'm sure there's, uh, there's there's native speakers in the squad. They can help out. Yeah, yeah. it's nice though. I suppose like assimilating to a new culture and, and looking at that kind of thing. When you know when you did move, how was that transition? And and uh, what's it like when you go from you know obviously like a hometown club to a massive club like Fiorentina and you know a, an iconic storied club that that has so much history. You know, how is is the pressure there to to, to immediately kind of deliver when you when you join a club like this? Uh, it was it was incredible when I when I recorded one is now it's uh, it's second time my my preseason so I'm a little bit 
much confident and uh, I know uh, how it will be but uh, the first day was 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 great I was like I was living my dream you know I'm I'm the guy from the village with 1000 people and two months ago I was playing against you in starting lineup you know I was in tunnel and I look and there were Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> <laughs> you know cool. for me you know, it's That's equal it's like parts fear and excitement yeah, you I know look up. look at me it's incredible <laughs> for me so I am really happy that I have this opportunity to to work hard and uh, and try to do my best and we will see how how it will. What's it like playing against Ronaldo? Yeah, he's incredible. He's incredible, fast, fast, still I fast. Yeah, I didn't expect that he's so so fast. I know it. Everybody knows it, but in the pitch, it's, it's incredible. In terms of, you know, let's talk a bit about moving to Florence and all of those things. Can you, can you do us a quick ranking, the things you've loved since you moved, moved to Italy? You know, the, the things that are maybe most exciting about, about living in Italy or the things that you love most in Florence or around those kind of things? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's such a great city. It's, it's a historic city. It's incredible. So, when, you know, I can go to, yeah, to make of bulk. In 10 minutes, I'm in front of, you know, the, the great Duomo. Also Ponte Vecchio, the the, the famous uh, bridge. So it's it's incredible to have dinner there. Also, I like the food, Italian food. When I moved to other country, I think the 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 thing that except the football, uh, the most uh, that will be missing me is it's food. The Italian food is incredible, guys. It's incredible. Coffee you... and food. It's, <laughs> it's the, the sensible yeah. things that we can all get on board yeah. with. We're all happy to, to have some Italian food. Yeah. It is amazing. It's such a, such a beautiful city, but the like culinary region of, of Florence. The cuisine, is the Italian cuisine, I think for me is, is the best cuisine in the world. What's the second and third best cuisine? <laughs> <laughs> also Slovak, Slovak cuisine for my mother and grandmother. This is the best always. Yeah, yeah. So, so this I like. Is there a third one you like? Uh, I like uh, like sushi. Sushi, sushi. Sam doesn't like sushi, yeah. but Sam does rate Japanese food very highly, but yeah. just not sushi. Yeah. So uh, you have to convince. He's, he's yet to be convinced by the merits, but I um, I think that, that that's a, a good ranking. What's Slovak food like? Like what what kind of? Oh, we have such a such a tough tough cuisine. It's, we are, we like to to fry. We have like the cheeses food. So like the Sounds Slovak, good. the Slovak national food, it's like uh, uh, like potato dumplings with the goat cheese. With goat cheese. Yeah, it's, okay. it looks a little bit weird, but when you when you try it with a little bit bacon, it's it's incredible. When it you come good, here, yeah, yeah, it, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a little visit. Don't look the, so so good, but uh, when you eat it, it's, it's great. So. It sounds good. I, those training sessions are hard enough, but after some of that, maybe they get even harder. It's, uh, t- <laughs> yeah. it's tough on the heart. So what, what else aside from dumplings and bacon? <laughs> what are we talking? Uh, like about food, it's then it, then it's like normal. We ride the we like the the chicken rice like the, like the normal normal cuisine Mediterranean. You miss it. You miss that yeah. food. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also for my for my mother, you know. In Nothing better than yeah. home cooked, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible to also have like one one food from there. So it was good that uh, when we have like holidays. They come to Italy for for having Christmas with me because we were playing. It's this is also such a new experience for me that 26 uh, December we were playing yeah. also like in England. Yeah. So it's 
you know, everybody, oh, how you has uh, great holidays. Yeah, I was 25 in the hotel and 25, <laughs> 26 we have, we have games. But, uh, but I really like it. It's, it's, uh, it's part of football and it's, it's, it's great. I like it. So it was good that uh, my, my parents and my sister came to, to Italy for, for the Christmas. So we have like Slovak Christmas. Uh, yeah, in I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've always loved the Boxing Day games, the 26th yeah, yeah. December games. I think they're such a like special part of, yeah, of football. It's feeling, you know, when, you know, when, you, when you, you get involved with them for the first time, is that an experience you know, that you hold, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's great when you, when you came to the stadium and everybody is like the, 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 the feeling of Christmas, you know. Everybody has come, everybody is happy, so, so it's, it's really good. So, but we must uh, concentrate for this game, we are not on holiday. <laughs> Do you have to train on Christmas Day? Yeah, yeah, we have we have training sessions. What's 24, that like? 24, normal. It was uh, it was two days before the game, so we were like normal training. We make the make the gym and then go to outside, make some uh, set pieces. Also like, like normal training, normal day for us. It's not very Christmassy, is it? Set pieces. <laughs> Depends how you like. But them, I guess. you know, you like when you are a football player, you love football. <laughs> yeah. What's better? What's better? What I, is I, better? I, have to, I have to work through Christmas too because I'm covering the games that you're playing. <laughs> yeah. If you stop playing, maybe I get yeah. Christmas off. No, I think we should all continue on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. I love Boxing Day. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have yeah. you. Thanks, thanks a lot. It's, it's been most really, really pleasure for me to be here. I love that interview. It was one of my favourite things that we did in America. And I'm really glad that we've, we've got to put it out there because yeah. it, it was so much fun and he was such a brilliant person to be around. And then I kind of wasn't expecting Steven Gerrard to pop up at the top of his influences list out of all the things that we got to. It was, you know, kind of mad. Yeah, you're right. And um, am I right in thinking that your beloved island will now be going up against David Hanko, Slovakia, for a place at Euro 2020. We will indeed. In the playoffs in March. Yeah, so uh, off to Bratislava in March, hopefully, to, to watch us play against David. I will be in touch to, uh, to let him know that I'll be over there. But you've got to get in his ear. You've got, uh, you've got to intimidate him from the start. Yeah, I think I'm um, going to try and get his start. So we'll be, yeah, we'll be, we'll be, speaking to, we'll be sending da- David some, some messages to try and make sure that... Jack will try and throw him off his game. Yeah, um, I think that was important. We've got another interview coming up, which is cool. Uh, this is one that you did or by yourself when you were out on out on location. Occasionally, they let me out by myself. It's not, it it's not happen, done very often. It doesn't happen not, very often. He needs a minder most of the time. I do, but uh, for some reason, they let me out. Uh, they let me go to Germany actually, uh, and I went on a Bundesliga media trip, which I've I've mentioned it, it, and, uh, over the past couple of months. Went to see Bayern Munich um, lose to Frankfurt, and then the next day, uh, Niko Kovac lost his job. Uh, it was certainly very eventful, but. Uh, Steve Chirundolo, so former U.S. international right back, uh, 86 caps for the U.S. national team. And as he told me himself, marked James Milner out of the game in the World Cup 2010 group opener. Uh, that was a good I game don't, because I personally don't remember, scored. I don't remember that personally, but he insists it happened. And to be fair, everybody else there insists it did too, so I'm willing to believe him. Uh, Steve is... Um, Steve was with us for the whole trip um, as part of the media experience. I got to play football with him, which was pretty cool. We played five-a-side. He nicknamed me the next Harry Kane, genuinely, because of the uh, short backlift and excellent finishing that I was, I was displaying on the evening. Well, I didn't know you went drinking before the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> well, not you, him. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of fun and I got the opportunity to sit down with Steve for about 10 minutes, who is basically 
on the path to becoming a manager himself, has been a student of the game over the last 12 months or so, has been taking it very seriously. I wanted to talk to him about his influences and the people that he looks up to and also the people that he has been around over the last 10 years through his playing career and now shadowing coaches to see which influences he would take and what he would take from those coaches into his own career. So here is what he had to say. I'm here with Steve Chirundolo in Frankfurt and we're going to talk managerial influences because Steve, you've revealed to us this weekend that you quite like to be a head coach for some reason. Why is that? Um, yeah, I've always looked up to my coaches as a player and I always found it fascinating and, and so complex, the work as a coach. And it's something... Um, I really only started to appreciate um, um, or could appreciate it when I did start coaching. Uh, I think you take it for granted uh, sometimes as a player um, how much work coaches actually do and in, in the decision-making they make and every decision has a consequence. So um, it's quite complex um, and it fascinates me and this is something that I uh, would like to tackle in the future. So say, they all sound like reasons you wouldn't want to go into coaching. Complex, difficult, lots of work. What, what, are our brains just completely different here? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, and uh, I, I have always appreciated a challenge. Just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing over the last six months, which managers that you've been shadowing and, and, and learning from, um, and, your, and your, co- your courses as well. I've been shadowing uh, Lucien Favre, the head coach of Borussia Dortmund, for the, uh, most of the season. Um, I was there in training camp with them and was privy to see all of their training uh, facilities and, and uh, what principles they install on their players and how they go about doing things on the field and off the field. Um, it's been a great experience. Um, last season, I was uh, able to, to do some work at um, RB Leipzig under uh, Ralph Rangnick was the coach last season, who was my yep. coach in Hanover um, early on in my career. Nice. Um, so that was, uh, that was awesome to see, those, to see that club as well, how he works. What he and his colleagues have built up over the past 10 years is pretty amazing. Okay, so let's get into your influences. And now, this is the BR Football Ranks podcast, so we rank stuff. That's just what we do. So yeah. if you give me a 3-2-1 on your influences, and just name some coaches and what you are going to take from them or what you hope to take from them into your coaching career. There was, um, in, a, in college, I went to the University of Portland for two, two seasons and for three semesters studied. And uh, my coach at, col- at the college was Clive Charles. And Clive was um, really important in my development as as a personality and as a young man, kind of going from a teenager to, to, a, to a man and uh, installing some, some, some characteristics and traits in us players to succeed at the next level. So I think, Clive, um, those, those traits in treating the players as people and making sure they develop as human beings or as, as young adults um, is so important in the coaching world as well um, because the game is not all X's and O's. Um, there's a whole lot more going on in there. And I think Clive mastered this, and this is something that I'm definitely going to take with me. So given that you value that, can I, can I draw from that that maybe you've had some coaches that don't necessarily see it the same way and maybe don't value uh, people as people? Absolutely. There are players, there are coaches who treat players like, um, like racehorses, if yeah. you will, or yeah. numbers. And um, I think there's so much more potential out there to get out of a player by treating them as people. Okay. Um, give me a, a second coach then. The second coach, um, uh, second coach would be a coach by the name of Dieter Hecking. He is now the coach of Hamburg, mm. and Dieter um, and I played together at the end of his career, and then he on, be, uh, went on to be a coach and eventually coached Hanover. Um, Dieter is somebody who is very intense um, and is a great competitor, and so you have really the motivational side 
that you're motivating the boys on the pitch every day in the training sessions and asking more out of them, really getting the most out of your players um, on a motivational and mental side. And I think somebody did an excellent job with that as well. I'm going to put him on the number two with Dieter, just in a completely different uh, context, would be Bruce Arena. Okay. Bruce was a fantastic coach as far as um, making or choosing 11 players who compete to give the U.S. national team the best chance on that day to win a game. And I think Bruce was uh, second to none as far as that goes. Okay. So you've spoken about man management and personality development there. So I'm going to ask you for a final coach, and, and let's make it X's and O's related. Let's make it tactical. Who, who do you look up to in that, in that sphere? And it is. It, it would be Ralph Rangnick, okay. um, who has understood, who has a great understanding of the game and who has kind of developed a way to play over the past 20 years, if you will, as he's been a coach. Um, he's perfected this style of play that he has now built a club upon. Uh, which would be RB Leipzig and now Salzburg and the two clubs. In, in yeah, it's like four clubs. It's not yeah, one club, uh, is it? And, and it's always growing, and uh, it's pretty incredible how well how well oil the machine he's developed. And um, he has the ability to a, understand the X's and O's, um, to be uh, be he can instill it upon a team, mm-hmm. and he can create an atmosphere where the club can thrive on this as well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he would be my number one choice as far as somebody who is tactically very sound and understands how to imply those tactics on a group of people. So from that, can we expect that Steve Chirondolo's, let's say, we don't know which team it will be, but in a couple of years when you take your first job, are they going to look a bit like RB Leipzig do? There are some elements of the game that I do appreciate. I, I do believe in in you know stressing the opponent or making... Um, making it difficult for the opponent to to build up or to to even get in your own end, um, which would be a high pressure so- style of soccer or mm-hmm. football, but um, it's not sustainable over ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some elements that I would definitely take, and I'll uh, just say thank you to Ralph now. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> um, but there are also things that I you know you can find from other coaches. Um, I think it's fair to say um, I my aim is to play a well balanced game so and have players give players the tools to make decisions at certain parts of the game that are right and okay. are needed so what's ralph like to work for uh, it's very intense yeah um, there's not a day off and i think if you're working for him then um yeah it's a, it's a very intense but uh, fulfilling time but i think after a year or two you're, you need a break yeah yeah okay i think hey uh Quite, quite a few members of the, the Red Bull family have, uh, have actually ended up taking a little sabbatical here and there. Maybe that's just Ralph getting into their brains a little bit and just, just being a bit too intense. He's quite demanding um, of himself, first and foremost, um, and, his, and his, uh, his employees. All right. Now, one last thing. Again, it's another little mini ranking. Um, over 15 years or so in the Bundesliga, you've played at some of the most incredible stadiums uh, in, in front of some of the most incredible fans because that's something the Bundesliga is famed for, its atmospheres and its stadiums. Can you give three the three most impressive uh, that, that you've seen either in volume in noise in crowd displays and TIFOs or, or just general stadiums yeah for sure um, we'll start we'll start with uh, we'll start with number three and that would be uh, Cologne Stadium it's a unique in that it's um, I mean if you just look at the raw building there's a roof and there's four sides and it's pretty steep so you have the acoustic stayed inside the building um, but you have home fans on both ends, behind both goals, which is unique. That does, there's not another stadium. Usually on one side it's one fan group, and the other side it's the yeah. other fan group. Um, but in that stadium, you have it on both goals. So no matter what goal they score in, 
the fans are going nuts behind the goal. Clever. Uh, it's clever. It is actually <laughs> quite clever. Um, and then uh, for sure, uh, Borussia Dortmund yep. is is an incredible atmosphere. I mean, there's over eighty thousand people there for every league game. Um, the fans are super loyal. They sell out every game. And they call it the yellow wall yep. behind the goal, and it truly is. That is on everyone's bucket list. It is. Or um, anyone that hasn't been, anyway. It's truly intimidating if you're on the field. Um, yeah, what's, yeah, what's that like, staring at that? I have bad memories of Dortmund. <laughs> and have picked the ball in the back of the net too many times there. So um, I also have scored a couple of goals there, so I have good and bad memories. Okay. But, but um, yeah, that is an incredible atmosphere, and you have to go. Yeah. If it's on your bucket list, go and see. It is is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And uh, number one on the list, not surprising to those Hanover 96 fans out there, um, you know, my uh, my backyard, and that would that would be the HDI Stadium. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna make it specific. Um, when we were playing in the Europa League, um, the choreograph from the fans was absolutely incredible and achieved an atmosphere that I have never seen there. So it was sort of a, um, just a situation that I'm going to put on my number one okay. spot. Um, it was... You know, all the emotions, personal emotions, the family, the friends in that stadium, as well as the acoustics. So so it was kind of a a hot mess of positive things going on in one day and that I say that I really, really cherished. So that, that's the case of it's a special occasion, a special night and the fans step it up again and create something special in tune with it. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, thank you, Sam, for a wonderful interview. And thank you to Steve Cherandolo for for spending some time to talk to us about his influences as a manager. It's been a lot of fun this episode. We've uh, got to use some content that we were hoping to find a home for. And it feels (laughs) like a very festive, special edition. All that's left for me to do is say... Thank you so much for listening this year. Thank you for being part of the Rank Squad. We hope you've had an incredible Christmas. And if you're listening to this on Christmas Day, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you much to Sam Tai. Thank you. I've been Jack Collins. Rank Squad into the new year. Have a great time. See you soon. Bye-bye.